thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Regardless of who you are. In case some of you are a little skeptical about a message at church on fighting, uh, let me see if I can be sure and offend everybody. So, my dad's here in first, first grade, third day of school. Uh, you remember the old uh, urinals and boys' bathrooms, those troughs that were like the length of the wall? Well, back in the day, all of us were in love with Evil Knievel. You remember Evil Knievel, some of you older guys? Evil Knievel? Jimmy Stamper decided he was going to do Evil Knievel with his potty. Well, I'm halfway down the thing, right? Evil Knievel landed right here, okay? Third day of school, first grade, I get in a fight in the bathroom of all places. We push and push and shove and throw a few punches, and in comes Miss Dushak, our teacher, takes us to the office. You get... Two swats for fighting, right? But that wasn't the worst part. The worst part is my dad had a deal with all of my principals and teachers over the year. You get swats at school. When you get home, you get them at home again, right? And unfortunately, my dad always counted past two, you know? He never really stopped there. So all afternoon after school, man, I'm just nervous. You remember as a little kid how nervous you would get when you're waiting until your dad gets home kind of a thing? And my dad came home, and he said, tell me the story, son. And I told him the story. And I thought, here it comes. But this is what he said. He said, look, son, never start a fight, but if somebody punches you, or if they potty on your leg, you got to stand up and take up for yourself. Anybody's dad said that when you were a kid? you got to stand up for yourself. Now, you may not agree with my dad's parenting advice, and you may think that's kind of a weird story on Sunday morning. But listen, if you're a man, there comes a time when you have to stand up for what is right. If you don't learn to stand up for yourself, you're probably never going to stand up for a woman. You're probably not going to stand up for the oppressed or for those who are hurting or the underprivileged. And unfortunately, you'll probably never stand up for your Savior, Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe there's actually a time for us as believers where we have to draw a line in the sand and take a stand. We have to draw a line in the sand and take a stand. Men, if you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down. I believe with all of my heart, men, that God created each of us. That He created us with the heart of a warrior. God created you, if you're a man or a young man, with the heart of a warrior. Now, the image of God, the character of God is expressed in the Scriptures. There are numerous metaphors, many powerful metaphors to communicate God's character and His nature to us. One of them happens to be a warrior. Look at the Word of God in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 3. Notice what it says. Notice what it says. And say it out loud with me. Men, you give me some extra passion today, okay? Look at the Word of God. The Lord is a... Wow. Hope nobody shows up today looking for a fight. Come on, guys. It's Father's Day. Dig down a little bit. The Lord is a... The Lord is His name. I believe that hardwired into the heart of every one of us is a deep desire to fight for what is right. A deep desire to stand up for what is true. To stand up for what is just. For what is pure. I understand the pushback here a little bit. Some of you are like, okay, Michael, I know you love hanging out with the men's group. We got that. The alpha dogs, you like following those guys around and being a part of what's going on. But Christians are supposed to be full of love and grace and mercy. 
Let me tell you this. That's absolutely and completely true, isn't it? It's absolutely and unquestionably true. Jesus is full of mercy and full of grace and full of, uh, of truth and justice. That's true for all of us to understand, but listen, it's also incomplete. It's true, but it's incomplete. And John, notice the Apostle John in the Word of God. When he had a vision of Jesus coming back, he was given this in the book of Revelation. Look at this starting in verse, excuse me, chapter 19, starting in verse 11. Notice what the Apostle John writes, inspired of the Holy Spirit. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. Watch this. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's my Savior. How about you? That's my Savior. You know, we're going to be there. I don't know if you've studied Revelation much in your life. But we're going to be there mounted on horses of our own. And basically, there's going to be 200 million of us on horses just to cheer on the one who was on the white horse. We're just going to be a bunch of cheerleaders and celebrate the victory because he's, he's done it all on the cross, but at the end of time, He's going to do it all upon the earth once again. That is my Savior. One who is simultaneously full of grace and full of mercy, and at the same time, one who is willing to stand up for what is right. Listen, the greatest servant who ever lived, and at the same time, the greatest warrior who ever lived. The big question for us today is this, where have all the warriors gone? Where have all the warriors gone? Where have all, not just the men, not just where have all the men gone, but where have, gone, but where have all the men of God gone? Honestly, evidently, this apparently has been a challenge throughout biblical history. Oftentimes, uh, there, they, there needed to be men who would stand up and fight for what was right. Stand up and stand in the gap. Instead, they're off playing video games or whatever. In fact, look in Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. This is God talking. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But notice what he says. I found no one. This is God talking who can look beyond the outward appearance to the heart. And he says, I looked and I needed just one who would stand in the gap. One who would put up a fight. One who would defend. And he says, I found none. So the question is, where have all those guys gone? Where have all those guys gone? I might argue this in our world today. Could it be that one of the problems is in our society, in our culture, that they're trying to turn men into women? Can I tell you something? This is going to be very, very deep. We do not make good women. All right? Men do not make good women. Now listen, I've been married for 24 years to the love of my life to Danette. And early on, you know, early on we got married, she had ideals and I had ideals. And there would be times when I would, you know, I'd load the dishwasher and, and run it and think, you know, that's pretty heroic of me. 
I mean, I, I've got to be the man of her dreams, just proving it to her every day. And she would say, you, you loaded the dishwasher wrong. And I'm like, is, is it possible to load it wrong, you know? I'm thinking, I put them in there, and they're wet. And this time, I even remembered to put soap in, right? <laughs> what is the deal? And she'd say, no, they go this way and this way, and they got to be here and there. And she was like, you're such a man. And I was like, thank you very much. <laughs> We're kind of simple, right, guys? That's a compliment to us, isn't it? You are such a man. Why, thank you very much. Thank you very much. You're such a man. And for a long time, I was like, you know what? She's complimenting me. She's compliment. We're simple like that, aren't we? I didn't get it for a while. You know, guys, think about it this way. You can say to guys with attractive wives, man, you married way above your pay grade, buddy. You outpunted your coverage. You're a dog and she's hot. And the guy's like, yeah, man, thank you very much, right? It doesn't work in the opposite, though, does it? You can't say to a lady, you know, you're a scrawny little thing, and that dude is a stud, right? It doesn't really work in reverse, does it? It doesn't work in reverse. I would not recommend that. Guy to guy, it's a compliment, but we'll never try that with the ladies. She says you're such a man, and what we don't realize is that our wives are, are cutting us down. And we end up saying to our wives eventually, and that tension that develops, we end up saying to them, well, maybe you should have just married a woman. Because I can't, I can't be what you're asking me to be. The tension gets worse. And after a while, listen, you have to realize that sometimes, ladies, you're asking us husbands to do and be something that's opposite of what God created us to be. Ladies, we need you to eventually say to us and believe something very powerful. I 100% embrace you to be the man that God created you to be. Listen. Ladies, you can, empower, you can empower your man to be who God created him to be. You can release your man to be a better servant leader and be the man God created him to be. Listen to me for a second, ladies. Your husband will never become the guy you dreamed he would be or hoped he would be until you get this right. It'll never happen. But listen to me. When you do that, when you believe and embrace him 100% to be the man that God created him to be, he will exceed every expectation that you've ever had. Ladies, don't tell him what he's not, but believe in him and support him and build him up as one who can fight and stand for what is right. Now guys, I'm not suggesting that you become an alpha dog punk bully. That's not what I'm saying at all, but what I'm saying is your soul is hardwired by the creator of the universe to be a warrior. To stand and fight for something that is bigger than yourself. Hope you got a bulletin when you came in. Take some notes if you're a man. If you're a woman, take them for your man. Let me give you two principles. Two principles that every warrior must know. And I believe these with all my heart. Two principles that every warrior must know. First is this. Every warrior has a cause to fight for. Every warrior has a cause to fight for. There's something that happens in us when we stand up and fight, when we are called to something that is greater than ourselves. Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls after, uh, after they had been banished uh, to Babylon and Persia. And he came back and Ezra had come back and rebuilt the temple. And Nehemiah comes back and he's trying to rebuild the walls. And Sanballat and Tobiah, the enemies, they came to distract 
and to destroy God's people. But Nehemiah called all the people together. And look at this rally cry in Nehemiah 4.14. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who was great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Fight for something bigger than yourself, he said. And he said, I guarantee you, you will stand up and watch this. Something happened in the heart of those men. Watch this. I don't know if you know this historically. They started to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that were destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and his army. And halfway through it, this when Sanballat and Tobiah showed up and they got disheartened. And Nehemiah rallied them. God created you to be a fighter, a builder, someone who would stand in the gap. And they got fired up again and they finished the wall. And guess what? They did it in two months. Two months. You can't even get a permit nowadays in two, nowadays in two months. But something happened in them when Nehemiah rallied them. And they stood up and they said, yes, I will fight for those that I love. I will fight for our city. I will fight for our children. I will fight for our homes. It's kind of like the difference between movies, right guys? It's kind of like the difference between movies. There's chick flicks and then there's movies, right? There's chick flicks and there's movies. Now listen, don't get me wrong, ladies. I cry at the best of the chick flicks, you know? Sure, I lost points with the men's group just then, but there's a good chick flick. But there's something about, right? There's something about Gladiator. Yeah. Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. What about Braveheart? Braveheart. William Wallace and Braveheart. There's something about Mel Gibson painting his face blue, right? Something about him painting his face blue and riding his horse around. Here's the quote from the movie. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live at least for a while and dying in your beds. Many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance? Just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! You remember that? Dave Ramsey uses that piece on his radio show. Listen, I'm sitting there watching this movie, and I'm thinking, oh, if I could only go back and paint my face blue... And kill some people. I never even knew why in the movie. And just kill some people. (laughs) Listen. I don't know what you're fighting for right now. It's probably not blue face paint. But listen to me. In all seriousness. In all seriousness. I don't know, men, what your battle would be right now. But maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your marriage. If you don't get in there and fight for your marriage, some of you aren't going to have one a year from now. Some of you, some guys, when the going gets tough, they just walk away, right? You can do that. You can be a real man, and not just a real man, but a real man of God. And you can fight, and you can own your sins and apologize and give forgiveness where it's needed. And you can humble yourself and seek to be the man of God, the servant leader that she wants and desires. And love her, when she, love her the most when she deserves it the least the way that Christ loved the church, and you fight for your marriage. Some of you need to fight for your kids. Your kids may be showing up at church, but are they really saved, and are they really growing in the Word of God? You need to fight for your kids. You may be successful in your career, but your kids are suffering. Some of you financially, your boat is sinking, sinking, and you need to get in there and bail out. You need to bail out, and you need to fight, 
And you need to say, I'm going to fight for this because I'm going to wisely manage what God has given us. And we're going to be givers, and we're going to put our finances in the hand of God, and we're going to be free. You've got to fight for that. Some of you may have an addiction. You may have an addiction that you've been battling for years. If you don't fight for purity, if you don't fight to overcome that addiction, it's going to take you out. I don't know what your battle is to men today, what your battle needs to be as a man of God, but you're created with a cause to fight for. I would say it this way, until you find a cause to fight for, a cause for which you're willing to die, you're never going to truly live. You're never going to truly live. You are never fully alive until there is something for which you are willing to die. You've got to have a cause to fight for. Second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. The second thing, if you're taking notes, a warrior without a cause to fight for will find the wrong thing to fight against. A warrior without a cause to fight for will find the wrong, will, will find the wrong thing to fight against. In fact, look in Acts chapter 8 and verse 3. Acts chapter 8 with verse, and verse 3, we see this with Saul. Before he saved, before the call on his life, but God still had, had ordained him to fight for the church, hadn't he? And Saul hadn't figured it out yet. And notice what it says. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. He didn't have a cause to fight for yet. And he was fighting against the very thing that God had created in him to build. Now listen, I want to pause for a second, ladies. I want to pause for a second. Some of you may be uncomfortable with this language, violence and fighting and, and all of that. And it's probably because at some point in your life you've been hurt by a man's strength. And I'm not going to pretend to understand what that feels like. I'm sure that it's very, very hurtful and painful in a lot of ways. And I hate that. And I don't understand how everything's going to unfold in eternity, but I can tell you this. We serve a just God. And a man who's misused his strength to hurt a woman or a child, he's going to stand before God Almighty and he's going to give an account. And ladies, I would say to you, I'm sorry that you've been hurt. But strength, strength is not a bad thing. A man's strength gone bad is a horrible thing. And there's never an excuse whatsoever for a violent man. But can I tell you something? God's strength in the heart of a man of God as a warrior is not a bad thing. Because when you've been loved by strength and you've been protected by strength, there's something righteous about that. There's something righteous about that. The problem is, man, is this. The problem is this. If we're not fighting for the right thing, there's a fighting spirit within us. And if we're not fighting for the right thing, we'll end up fighting against the wrong thing. We'll end up fighting against authority. We'll end up fighting against our boss. We'll end up getting mad at ourselves and taking it out on our wives and our kids. We'll even fight those who are trying to help us. Because a warrior without the right cause to fight for ends up fighting against the wrong thing. So you might ask, how are we called to fight as men of God? Well, I'm glad you asked. Two ways you'll have to fight. Two ways you'll have to fight. The first is this. First of all, sometimes you'll have to throw a punch. Sometimes you'll have to throw a punch. Now, obviously, this is a metaphor. Hang on. 
I'm not suggesting after church, if somebody cuts you off, you pull them over and say, our associate pastor said I get to give you a thrashing. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that spiritually and emotionally speaking, sometimes, many times in a given week, you're going to have to stand up for what is right. I love the way Samson did this at the end of his life. He was called by God to be a judge. You call by God to be a judge, but he had a problem with women and wine, right? He starts to flirt with Delilah, if you know what I mean. And then he ends up getting a really bad haircut, right? You remember that? He gets a really bad haircut and he finds himself with no eyes. The Philistines. God had called him to be a judge and to, to bring freedom to God's people from the Philistines and, and Samson, Samson blew it. And he ends up in chains and captivity and he prays for one last chance to throw a punch. Notice, notice what Samson shows us. If you ain't dead, you ain't done. That's what he shows us. Look at the Word of God. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one, his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Samson threw a punch. He stood up. He finally did what he was called to do. Man, sometimes you're going to have to throw a punch. And let me tell you, from my perspective, what Samson did was, was relatively easy. What he did at that point was relatively easy. He died one time, right? He, he was a hero in the moment. Guys, there's not a single one of you in your homes, if an intruder breaks into your home, in your boxers, you will grab a lamp and fight to the death, right? Why? Because God created in you the heart of a warrior, and you're going to fight to, and will die for those that you love and to defend your home. You've got the heart of a warrior. But it's easy to die once. It's easy to die once, to give your life one time. A great man of God dies daily. A great man of God lays his life down daily to serve Christ. A great man of God dies daily to lay down his life for his family and be a servant leader. A great man of God dies daily to serve the church and to serve the poor and to serve those who are hurting. And every now and then, man, you look around you and you realize you've been fighting for yourselves. You don't understand why you feel so empty. And the reason is because you're not fighting the battles that really matter. Don't you dare waste your passion, your energy, and your strength on yourself. Don't you dare. Your calling is not to just enjoy life for yourself. Let's pause for a second. Look, look around in, the, in your mind, in your heart, and in your life. Deep down, is there something that bothers you? Is there something that gets into your soul and you say, I don't think I'm okay with that? You see a kid and he's got no dad and his mom's got three jobs. And you say, I'm not okay with that. That kid needs a role model. Then stand up and throw a punch. Maybe you recognize for a majority of the world, clean drinking water would solve 90% of their problems. And instead of buying a new car, again, you throw a punch and you get with David Carroll, and you spend $10,000, and you take drinking water, clean drinking water, to an entire village, and you change their lives. 
you stand up and you throw a punch. Maybe you need to do something for another family, being a servant leader of your family instead of spoiling your kids even more. Something comes to life in you when you throw a punch in the power of the Lord and you take a stand. Sometimes you've got to throw a punch, and if you're taking notes, sometimes you turn a cheek. Sometimes you throw a punch, and sometimes the strongest thing you can do as a warrior of Christ is turn a cheek. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? And the Sanhedrin soldiers come, and the Roman soldiers, and Peter takes out his sword and he cuts off Malchus' ear. You remember that story? Why? Why did he cut off his ear? Because he had bad aim. He was trying to lop that head off, wasn't he? And he cut off his ear. And Jesus is like, Peter, what are you doing? And he picks up the ear. Jesus' power, back on, right? Back on. You remember what happened next? Judas stands up to betray him, and what does Jesus do? turns his cheek and lets him kiss him on the cheek and betray him. Listen, guys. Jesus betrays him. He turns his cheek. So, so let me ask you this, man. Which is our most powerful weapon? Which is our most powerful weapon? Throwing a punch or turning a cheek? Our most powerful weapon is the love of God through us. That is our most powerful weapon. And some of you may need to learn to fight, not just like a man, because any guy can throw a punch. But you need to learn to fight like a man of God. You fight with unconditional love. You fight with the love of Christ on the cross of Calvary. And it begins to flow through you first to your wife, and then to your kids, and then through our church, and then through your workplace. Simultaneously, you are both a warrior and a servant leader who will lay down your life for those around you. God said, I came looking for a man of God, one who would stand in the gap and fight, but I found none. My hope and my prayer is that if God comes looking here, He'll find many. Henry Varley said this to D.L. Moody after the Civil War. The world is yet to see what God can do through one man totally surrendered to Jesus Christ. Moody said, I want to be that man. And did you know Dwight Moody, mostly in the Chicago area, but around this country and across the ocean into Europe, he had a 40-year ministry. He led over one million individuals to faith in Jesus Christ. Men, will you fight the battles that matter most in your life? Will you let the world see through you what God can do through one man totally surrendered to Jesus? Let's pray together. Father, we give You glory. It's not us, but it's Your power at work in us. And God, we, we, we know we can't do this on our own. We can't, we can't throw a punch spiritually and emotionally on our own. We, we certainly can't turn a cheek on our own. God, we can't be the men of God that You want us to be on our own. We can't fight the battles that matter most on our own. Father, God, we need You in the name of Jesus to fill us with Your Spirit as we die daily. We need You to penetrate our hearts and our minds and our wills and our addictions and all that we are, that we could be pleasing to You as we stand in the gap. That we could be the servant leaders that our wives will embrace. God, that we would be the men of God in this church for Your glory, for the blessing, blessings of those that come through the ministries of this church. God, do a work in us this morning that you might do a work
through us. Father, move in our hearts. Help us to fight. Help us to fight the battles that matter most in your power. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll be here to receive you this morning. God's worked in your heart. If there's a commitment that you need to make, I invite Daryl, if he'd come and stand here. And uh, where are we at? Sumter, where are you at, brother? Would you come and stand here? Just men, no wives today. Special altar call. Man, if you need to be prayed for, if you're not the man that you know God wants you to be and you want one of these men of God to pray for you, any one of us will. If God's drawing your family to this church, even though the pastor's gone, if you want to step out, we would love to have you in our church family. If there's anything going on and you need a word of counsel, a word of prayer, as Paxton leads us, you come. Let's stand and sing together.